0: We've got to get to the word here today, everybody, and today we have got the great and wonderful honor of hearing from our good friend, Britt Hancock, and his wife, Audrey. They have been amazing parts of our lives through the years, and their family. Um, we've been through a lot of stuff together, and I'm so grateful for them. Now, I got a lot of, I got a lot of favorite Britt Hancock stories, but I'm going to tell you one. Um, we had a service. I don't even remember what the service was, but Britt was preaching at the church we came from in Colorado and um we were having a prayer time after and so i was a young youth pastor i was hungry for the things of god and so he's walking around and praying for people he preached a great word the spirit of god is in the room we're worshiping hands are up people are getting prayed for it's very powerful the anointing of god is very strong he had just gone to my friend john who was playing guitar and leading a song and grabbed him from behind and prayed over him while he was playing and they both kind of went down to the ground and had an incredible encounter with Jesus there. John's on the ground trying to lead and play, but the spirit of God is moving on him and he's just, you know, he's kind of gone. And so, so Brit, he he gets up and he's kinda, you'll see, he's got he's kind of wild-eyed, you know. He's wild-eyed. And he always says that we got you got, you got syrup in your hair. And he cuz I put stuff in my hair and he always thinks it's syrup, but it's not. <laughs> but but uh <laughs> but I see him, I'm on the, there's probably about seven or so steps up to the platform, and I see him, and I, I'm hungry, I'm hungry for Jesus, and I just want him to pray, I know that the power's not in Brit, the power's in Jesus, but he's the conduit, and I just want more, and so I'm trying to catch his eye, he's praying, he gets up, he's looking around, he's about to turn away, as he's turning away, he catches my eye down on the floor, and I catch his eye, and I'm like, oh, he saw me, I'm going, so I start marching up the seven stairs to the platform, while he starts coming to me towards the edge of the platform, we meet right at the top top of the platform. He grabs a hold of me, and we go over. We go over the platform, down the stairs, do, 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 down to the ground. I'm laid out on the ground. He puts his hands on my chest and prays for me, and I have a powerful encounter with Jesus. Some of you are scared now. (laughs) What kind of church did I just come to? I can't promise that none of that stuff will happen, but It won't happen, but here's the thing that I want you to hear today. Britt and Audrey and their family, they've always inspired me to love and serve Jesus more. And that's what happened in that moment, and that's what I'm praying will happen for you today if you will allow the Spirit of God to speak to you through him. I've taken up too much of his time already, so everybody, would you please welcome Britt Hancock.
1: Good morning. morning. How y'all? I'm from Alabama. (laughs) You can't tell, can you? (laughs) God bless you. Um, I'm here with my wife, Audrey. Audrey, would you stand up and wave at everybody? And uh, we founded a ministry called Mountain Gateway, and there's some Mountain Gateway people in here. If you're in here and you're... You're in Mountain Gateway. Would you stand up? I think there's some guys right over here. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what Mountain Gateway uh, does is we recruit, train, place, and pastor ministers and missionaries in different countries. And, and um, I want to tell you about that a little bit because you have a really big part in that. We have a partnership with One Chapel, and our headquarters is actually in Dripping Springs. Uh, we bought a piece of property there in 2013, and uh, but we have this long relationship history with the Parsley's, and uh, I first met Pastor Ross in 1992. We were at the same church in Colorado Springs, the one that, that Pastor Brent was talking about, and... Um, He was there as a worship pastor, and we had moved out there and kind of moved our ministry headquarters to to Colorado Springs, and we got involved in that church, and we were doing activities, and and that's how we met a long time ago. I don't know how many ever years that is. That's a lot. And, uh, And we developed this relationship, and then Brent, who is Pastor Ross's brother, younger brother, for those of you who didn't know, um he came along sometime i don't remember when you got to the church but actually he he came with some other staff members from the church there to visit my family and i when we were missionaries in mexico and we had great adventures together i think that was about 2002 right somewhere in there and so i bounced him around dirt roads in the back of my big four-wheel drive truck and um Somewhere along in there after that is when I tackled him off the stage. (laughs) So we did have some relationship equity before I jumped, uh, you know, anyway. (laughs) And he's told that story around a few places that has gotten me in trouble more than once. (laughs) And uh, so... I want you to understand the kind of the nature, the reason that we're here in Dripping Springs was because Ross and I were kind of going through this ministry transition at the same time. And so we started asking kind of the same questions and grappling with the with trying to find the similar answers. And we decided to do our wrestling match together. And... So we had conversations in the about the year 2010 together in Colorado Springs. And I think I don't remember exactly late, late, oh, late 2009, 2010. And we started talking about what if and and um, I had an, had uh, an encounter with the Lord Jesus uh, in 1989 on a mountain in the back country of Yellowstone National Park because I was. Pretty newly married, Audrey was pregnant with our first child. We have four children. And uh, three of them are married, and two of them have children. So I'm a grandpa now. We're grandparents. I'm really happy we have four grandkids. But she was pregnant with our first child. Hannah is her name. And uh, I used to be a builder, a contractor, and then... um, the Lord had put His call on my life when I was a little boy, and it came time for us to, to make the decision to go into the ministry full time. And so I I quit working as a contractor, and um, we made the jump. And so I went to seek God out in in the West, and was just wandering around in the back country uh, during the day, and and. God was speaking to me, and he was showing me things, and I had this encounter on top of this mountain where he, he gave me the name Mountain Gateway. And he told me, essentially, at that time, I want you to recruit, train, place, and pastor missionaries. And I was like, what? <laughs> Missionary, what's that? And, I mean, I knew conceptually, but certainly I didn't know experientially, and I had only really been out of the country um a couple of times, and so anyway, um, from that point, um, we started our ministry at Auburn University in Alabama, and then we, we moved our ministry, like I said, to Colorado Springs in 1992, and from 92 to 96, we were there, and then in 1996, we moved on to the mission field. So I took my wife and my three little kids at the time And she was pregnant with our fourth, and we moved to South America. And our youngest son was born in Paraguay, South America, while we were down there, uh, trying to work for Jesus. And then we came out of South America, and then we moved to Mexico in 1997. And we lived full-time in Mexico from 1997 to 2012, working as a pioneer missionary. um, Working in rural villages, primarily to Aztec descendants and... Had to learn Spanish and and had to learn how to work in a foreign co- culture. And it was remote stuff. And Brent can tell you stories about that later. <laughs> <laughs> and we learned a lot. And we have seen Jesus do incredible things. And I'm going to talk about some of the things that we've seen Jesus do a little bit later. But this was really all a part of God's plan and preparation while we were gaining the capacity to recruit, train, place, and pastor missionaries. And so we were doing a whole lot of work, and there was a whole lot of complexity and and lots of victories and lots of defeats and lots of happy times and lots of sad times and just real life. Anybody in here identify with that? You know, real life has happy and it has sad and it has mediocre and it just has everything. It has problems, right? You might say that life is a problem. Life creates problems, right? The great thing about having Jesus in your life is that he gets engaged in your life and there gets to be this amazing outcome from those problems. That you don't get if you don't have Jesus. All you get is the problem. And then you just got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, when Jesus gets in your life, and you're going to you're gonna have problems. I mean, how many... Let's do a survey in here real quick. How many of you ever might have had just one problem before you got saved? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, how many of you might have had one problem after you got saved? See, that's 100%. I can... I can tell you the results of that survey 100% of the time. Everybody is going to have problems. But with Jesus, you get this awesome end of the story that comes from your problems. Because you know what? Every problem is an opportunity. I'm going to be telling you about some miracles and about the power of God. And every single miracle came from a problem. And so to me, that what that means is problems really are opportunities. And you know who determines whether the outcome is positive or negative inside you? You do. I do. We determine whether we get bitter or whether we get better. We determine whether it's a positive eternal benefit that God is working in us, or if we're going to fight him and just get in the mother grubs and act like that all the time. (laughs) And so anyway, we went through a whole bunch of problems and got some awesome outcomes, went through some terrible stuff. And then uh, the time came for us to really, God started sending us folks to train. And it, and it started in about the year 2000. But we really got a few guys in about 2010. And then in, in, in about 2010, we left the ministry that we had been working with since 1997. And we, that's when we started Mountain Gateway. And that's, that's, that's when I, I felt like, okay... Now I'm going to really start applying all these different things that God gave us to apply, and, and then and then Ross Parsley, y'all heard of him? Yeah. Okay, I'm just checking. And then he was he was grappling with, man, boy, I really think I want a pastor, but like be a senior pastor and maybe go and plant a church, and so we were we were kind of at the same juncture, so like I said, we decided to grab hands. And jump off down here together. <laughs> and uh, so we had been operating out of Texas, out of South Texas, from a U.S. base down in the valley for, for a long time, since 97. And uh, so we had activities in Mexico and, and um, knew that God was going to bring us into different countries. And, and so we needed somewhere that we could have relationship. Um, with people and with a with a local body uh, of believers uh to anchor us and to serve as our home church and and all those things and so Ross and I decided to opt for a relationship and so um i 'm an overseer at at one chapel at this church, and he is on my board, and so we are mutually submitted to one another and and we have helped each other walk through some bumpy things, and I'm Ross. the uh, the Our relationship with the Parsleys is of the most valuable things that we have in my family, and that we have as a ministry. And and so, um, it's really. Uh, I want to say thank you. Some of you are. This is the first time, really, that you're kind of figuring out who is that guy and he's around every now and then poking and prodding and causing problems and and um but this really is who we are and we really have an integrated relationship with with one chapel. We're not around very much because we're off in other countries doing things. But our hearts are here and I just I want to thank you and I also want to give you kind of an understanding that what, what Pastor Brent said just a minute ago, man, you're doing stuff all over the world that you didn't even know about. Come on. Right? Through your giving, but it's more than your giving. You do support us uh, and, and a bunch of us in Mountain Gateway on a monthly basis with finances. There's people here that, are, that really are integrated in our story Uh, Chad and Gabby Prytula they are our administrators they live on our place in Dripping Springs and they attend the Monterey Oaks campus and they do uh, what is that that's one of them things y'all had up on the video a minute ago one of them supper meeting things y'all do (laughs) that we do they host a group uh, out at our house and and so we have we have cross pollination we have integration and I think it's really awesome and and so we went through all these problems, and we got this substance, and somehow I didn't get mad at Jesus. Some people get mad at Jesus when they go through their problems. And so I wrote about some of that. I wrote a book, and, and uh, it's, it's out back there if y'all want to grab one when you're done. When, when you're done. But, um, and I'm going to share some of the stories from that book, if I can stop talking and hurry up and get down the line with my message. How do you do that? How do you stop talking and then keep going with your message? Anyway, you know, y'all know what I mean. Yeah. Stick to the program. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we went through this process, gaining substance, and started engaging with folks, and started putting this stuff together, and I and. It really scared me when the Lord spoke to me in 1989. I didn't know know what to do. I didn't know how to do. Any of you ever felt that? Have God speak to you and you're like, I don't have any idea how to do that. I don't really know what He's saying. I don't really think I can do that. Anybody identify with that? Well, you know what? You're in good company because that means that's your insurance policy that it's really God speaking to you. Because anything He speaks that is like Life-altering like this, it's going to be impossible for you. He sets us up, sets us up that way, so that we have a reason to need him, right? And then he brings us through this awesome process where we go through this transformation and we become. And it takes faith. And so, anyway, we got this training process together, and and we ask. These young people there some of them are not so young, really we don't we don't there's not an age requirement other than you have to be eighteen years old, so that's kind of the bottom, and then it kind of goes up from there, and we asked for a five year commitment to the training. Wow, everybody say, "Wow, that's a long time." Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> so what we're doing is is we're wanting to help people. Who know that they're called to minister per, like more in a focused way outside their home culture, but we don't care. We'll we'll work with anybody, even if you feel like you're 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 called to the United States. Um, and what we're pointed at as long-term, lifetime service for the King. And so. Um, We ask for five-year commitment to the training. And we have a year and a half pre-field training that happens primarily in the United States. And then people go to language school. And right now, we're only in Spanish-speaking countries. So everybody goes to learn Spanish. And then we put them on the field for on-the-job training for three years, about. It's, It's really hundred and fifty seven weeks and and I guess the soonest that you could do it if you smashed it up in, in one pile's three years. And and then uh, then we graduate you and if you want to stay in Mountain Gateway, we'll ordain you and help you engage with what Jesus wants you to do. Cause really What we want to do is help you move from where you are to where you're going. But I have a a mandate from God because I had an encounter with Him. And He spoke to me about people leaving their assignment before they're supposed to. Because on the mission field, we lose 10% of the missionary force every single year. And to qualify what that means, that means we lose 10% of the people who, when they went to the mission field, believed that they were going to work their whole life there. And for some reason, they cave in. And the Lord's talked to me over many years about that. And so really, my personal mandate is to help people stay. Help people stay the course. And so... Um, we in our pre-field training we have six semesters. It lasts a year and a half, and it unfolds, and it's a pretty cool thing. And um, all pointed at people having longevity, people walking through the ups and the downs, so that people get better and not bitter, so that people can stand the storms that blow and the storms that rage, because. Hell, life is hard enough. And then when you start trying to follow Jesus, it gets even harder. And then when you start trying to obey the Lord as an ambassador, it gets even harder. Right? And so we are not designed to go through that alone. We're designed to lock arms. And what we do on our end of things can't happen really without a whole bunch of you. So it takes a whole bunch of you to hold up a few of us out there trying to make some more of you in different locations. Does that make sense? Is that clear as mud or what? (laughs) Right, because we embark as ambassadors. We embark as special forces. We embark as emissaries of the kingdom of God or missionaries or whatever you want to call it. There's a bunch of adjectives that we can use. What we're trying to do is we're trying to go tell people about Jesus and introduce people to Jesus and then walk with them long enough where they learn about that and get stable enough where they can stand on their own legs and then they do that with other people. Right? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And I've, I've gotten to see I've walked in so many villages and so many places that have never had the testimony about the name of Jesus that 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 because I went there Jesus is integrated into their hearts now. And that nobody really did it before me since the fall of man. That's amazing. Right, I know what it's like to be the first guy to tell them about Moses and about Noah and about the ark and about the flood and 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 they never heard that before and and there's a few people like that and in the United States I guess there's probably a few people that have never heard probably in every country but but we have so much gospel integrated in our society and there that that's not that way all over the world and so I've gone to lots of places and I've walked in and and seen Jesus do the miraculous and ha- and put down His roots in people's hearts for the first time, in areas, and it's really awesome. And so now we somehow we went from from just being my family and myself and our four kids to having this encounter with God, and then I just did my best to follow Him, and now there's. There's 40-something of us in Mountain Gateway in just a few years, and it's really cool. And uh, we're about to train a new cohort uh, starting in April of next year. Uh, and so if you really have the Holy Spirit banging on you going man I don't know that guy's kind of scary but I feel like I should be involved and and you've kind of felt like wow I think I want to be a missionary or I think Jesus might want me to be a missionary and I don't know and just come talk to us (laughs) I'll be nice I promise I won't jump off the I won't tackle you off of I won't tackle you off of the stage on the first day we meet I promise you that (laughs) But, you know, we really have seen God do amazing things. And I want you to understand what you have a partner in, in partnership with. Everybody have your Bibles. Turn, please, to Matthew chapter 11. You know, the word gospel, it just means good news. And so... What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to good news you. Matthew chapter 11. Everybody got it? I want to read a few verses. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. It says, After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him. Do you know what John this is talking about? It's talking about John the Baptist. So you know the, you know the story of John the Baptist? John the Baptist was doing his ministry and he got sideways with the authorities. And then they threw him in jail for telling the truth, preaching the gospel. So John was in prison and he had all these guys that were following him following in him that were his disciples. And so he sent some of them over to ask Jesus a question when when he was in prison. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, these were Jews. And they had hundreds of years, really over a thousand years of waiting And talking about and expecting this guy that they called the Messiah, the son of God. The one who was going to change everything. The one who was going to bring this amazing change to planet earth. And they had all kinds of ideas. Can you imagine over a thousand years of of culture and stories and teaching? About something that you really were not sure what it was going to look like. Who is he? It's going to be a person. But what does he look like? When's he coming? They've been waiting on this guy. And so that's the question they were asking. Are you that guy we've been waiting on? Isn't that cool? And so here they go. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing. He sent his disciples to ask him. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. Everybody say hear Hear. Hear. and see. see. You see, what Jesus is doing right here is defining for us the gospel. We have volumes and volumes of, of theological ideas and books and constructs on what is the gospel. Right? This book is thick. But Jesus right here in these couple of verses. He defines for us what the gospel is. And it involves two things. It really has kind of, kind of two big pieces that go together to make the whole. One is hearing. The other is seeing. Now mostly what we're acquainted with. Particularly in developed countries. Is the hearing part. And we know that Jesus. He does amazing And he transforms our life, right? I mean, there's amazing stories sitting right in this room. There's amazing stories about what God's done in people's lives since the Parsleys made the decision to come down here and start a church. And because they made that decision... There's been extraordinary things happen. So it's not just been hearing. It's not just been the gospel message. It's not just been all the stuff that we do here in order to try to get the message across to you. It's what the message catalyzes in your life that causes the seeing. You with me? Amazing stuff. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And some of you are sitting there going... Man, that's, I need that. I need that transformation. I need that that. I need that catalyst in my life because I want to get better. My life is a mess. Well, the good news is you can have the transformation. Amen. That's what Jesus does for us. He's amazing. But there's but Jesus qualifies that in a. A little bit more graphic way than just life transformation. And I don't mean it in a negative way than just. I mean life transformation. That's what we're after. Right? That's the first miracle. That's the greatest miracle. But Jesus is fixing to list some miracles here. And let's read them. It says. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who doesn't fall away on account of me. You know, the fact that Jesus did miracles caused turbulence. And the fact that he still does them causes turbulence. Even inside the church. We, we, got, we got lots of noise and lots of teaching out there that says it's not for today and it is for today and we got people fighting over this but Jesus said blessed are you if you don't fall away because of me blessed are you if you don't get confused and turbulent and start to distance yourself from me because I'm alive because I'm the same because the stuff I used to do you can count on the fact I'm gonna do it now where does it say that? It says that in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever. And so for me it's a settled thing. It's enough for me that it says it. But guess what? I'm a witness. <laughs> you see look look at this. I can this is amazing. I'm so happy about this that I can give you from my life Direct witness testimony to each one of these kinds of miracles. You want to hear about some of them? Y'all don't want to hear about this stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. What do y'all think? You think Jesus can make a blind person see? Amen. Yep. You believe that he did that. Yes. This is not... He did open people's perception and ability to understand and see spiritually. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the organs of their eyes didn't work right. And he fixed it. Amen. And so... um, I've seen God open quite a few blinded eyes and give people that that either had some problem or they were born without the ability to see. But I'll tell you about the one that is closest to me, and that is me, myself, and I. I went blind in 1984. I was a, a freshman at Auburn University, and I had eye trouble. How many of you have ever heard of macular dystrophy? Or macular degenera- degeneration. Some of you may know people that have had that or whatever. Well, I got that when I was 19 years old, and and the sight left my the the sight, my ability to see went away in my left eye, and I also had the disease in my right eye, but it was slower. And so over about a two week period, my the my ability to see in my left eye disappeared, and then it was going away, but slower in my right eye. And I stayed that way for about four months. And then, you know what Jesus had the nerve to do? Now, look here. This ain't my fault. (laughs) I decided to get to know him as good as I could. And I stayed blind for about four months. And the Lord Jesus decided to touch me and give me my sight back and in one instant it went away kind of over 2 weeks and then my my right eye was getting worse and worse and and I was trying to stay in school and I was actually studying for exams and and I got I got up and I walked out of this house where I was I could see out of my right eye you know so I could I could see to walk but have you ever tried to walk around with your with one eye closed you know it's kind of funny it makes you feel funny not like humorous but Kind of like not right, funny. That's kind of that's kind of weird. You don't have depth per, depth perception, and and so anyway, I walked outside. I'll never forget this. I went out in the yard. I could, I was outside, and I came back in. And as soon as I walked across the threshold, my sight came back, just like that. And if you know about macular dystrophy, you know that it's genetically incurable. There's nothing there's it's a genetic disease. There's nothing the doctors can do. So it's not supposed to happen. That makes that's what makes it a miracle. A miracle is when something impossible that's not supposed to happen happens because of the power of God. And so Now I I just want to know why how is that possible? How can it be that the blind receive sight? That's the cue. So this is interactive. So now when I say how can this be, everybody's got to holler. Because Jesus is alive. So let's practice. How can this be? Because Jesus is alive. How can this be? Because Jesus is alive. Look, he's either real or he's not. It's just either belief or he's a person. You see, and I don't have a relationship with my beliefs. I got a relationship with a living guy. He touched me and gave me my sight back. And I'm excited about that. Wow, that was a long time ago. You're, you, you, see, when are you going to calm down? Not going to calm down. Yikes, I got to hurry. <laughs> Y'all bored? Okay. There's some more in here. Let's see. Um let me see. Let me see. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. So I'll give you a two two for one. I was over in Australia. And we were at these big services and and uh let me think. No, the two for one is not in Australia. The two for one is in New Zealand. I was in New Zealand. <laughs> and we did this altar call. And I was not preaching, but I was there on the ministry team, and, and we were getting ready to pray for people. And, and there was a group of people that came up for prayer over here to get the baptism in the Holy Spirit, right? And so this lady walks up who was deaf, she got in the wrong line. Like this is to get the baptism line over here. This is this is a line for hey, if you got something wrong with your body, come over here. And this is a line over here if hey, if you want to meet Jesus. And can you believe that she got in the wrong line? The reason she got in the wrong line is because she was deaf. She couldn't hear the instructions, so she lines up over here. This little boy. So we had we we called up these people out of the audience and we said, look, y'all come up here. We do We're gonna let you, everybody just. If you got faith and you trust God, you come up here and you're going to lay hands on them and you're going to pray for them and God's going to touch them. So this little boy, this is a really cool story. Did I tell you all this was a cool story? I'm probably standing in the dark over here and the cameraman, is there a camera here? There's not one. I'm so happy. (laughs) So anyway, all these guys lined up. This little boy lines up about 10 or 12 years old. Here's grandma that's deaf, who's in the wrong line. She ain't there to get the baptism. She's asking for God to do something about her hearing problem. The little boy don't know that because his instructions are, you going to go over there and pray for people to get the baptism. So he reaches out and he says, whatever he said, he's praying for her to get the baptism. All of a sudden, I'm standing over here, right, in the, in the people to get healed line. No, that was right here. Right? And I've zeroed in on this lady that's got cataracts. Y'all ever seen anybody with cataracts that are advanced? It's just...